Hello, everybody. This is amateur theologian Jim Barton, and I'm here with... Reverend Abigail Conley. And this is another episode of Bloody Mary Bible Brunch. Um, today, we're going to have an episode about current events, and we promised at the beginning of the year that we would be um, positive and talk about happy things that happen with current events. And uh, so that's what we're going to kick it off. I think what we actually promised was that we wouldn't just keep saying Trump is the Antichrist. That's right. Well, we, that is, yeah, <laughs> that's a good point. But we, have, we do have some positive things that we're going to talk about. But they're tied to some pretty horrible negative things. So let me start off by describing what happened here in Arizona with um, Representative Don Shooter. Um, uh, Don Shooter is a um, Republican legislator who has been in office for a long time. And he did a series of um, pretty horrible things. He basically um, really harassed um, another um, legislator, another elected official, um, uh, Representative Michelle Gentirita. He... um, you know, and this was like this next level. It's not a situation where he asked her out on a date. He like showed up at her at like a, in a hotel room and knocked on her door, and he had like a six pack of beer and just all this very gross, creepy stuff going on. You know, he also made um, un, uh, unwarranted comments to other women who were members of the legislature. And you know, I mean, we got to put it out here that he, when speaking to um, a private citizen who was a very high up um, executive who happened to be Asian, he made a comment that the thing on his bucket list was not getting those. Asian twins. So he said some of the grossest, creepiest, awfulest things that you could do. Here's the good news. He um, not only, after the investigation, did the Republican majority, along with uh, all the Democrats, of course, vote to censure him. They actually removed him from office. And so they took him. He is no longer in the Arizona legislature. Um, The police did need to confiscate his gun that he had on the premises. And again, his name really is Representative Shooter. But we saw action taken. People, people believed women and, um, and, um, and, and removed him from office. Um, frankly, along the same lines, and maybe, Abby, you can talk a little bit about the, what we saw with USA Gymnastics. So um, after many, many years of sexual assault and harassment going on by a particular doctor um, at the University of Michigan, affiliated with the USA Gymnastics program, he, one of the women came, um, brought charges and said, no, really this happened. And once she brought charges, hundreds of women, young, um, teenagers, young adults came out of the shadows and said, yeah, this happened to me too. And so he was already, um, indicted soon after on child porn charges and then, um, was arrested on other charges as well. And what has come um, to light, especially, are the sentencing hearings. And as he's being sentenced, the judge invited women to make victim advocate statements, which is fairly common practice in these sorts of cases. And over 150 women said, yes, I want to make um, a public statement about what he did and how this has affected my life. And um, Nasser, the doctor, actually requested that he not have to be present for those because he found it too traumatic and he was told no you will be present for those um and 150 some women stood and to the told their stories of exactly what he had done and the lifelong impact it had had and it was really i don't know i just found it so powerful to see you know the courage of all those young women Mm -hmm. you know standing up facing their um their attacker 
and calling him out for what he was. And I just thought, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm a, as a liberal lawyer, you know, uh, I have mixed feelings about victim impact statements. I don't know that they're always the greatest thing in the world for justice. Uh, but in this particular case, I, I thought it was just amazing and I was, it was really impressive. So, so I think these are a couple of like important manifestations of the Me Too movement. Um, if you think about it, of where finally um, society at large is believing women and is taking seriously the really um, horrible uh, mechanisms that men have used to keep women oppressed, frankly, and, and, and these sort of create an environment. Um, and so the question comes, um, where, where do we see this in Scripture? Is this a, is this a biblical uh, event that we can point to in, in Scripture? So because we live in a culture that places women as secondary citizens to some extent still, and um, we could have very long conversations about rape culture and how that is perpetuated, the truth is many of those views are formed by the Bible. So at a straight reading, you're not going to get the amazing women's empowerment stories. And one of the actually ideas that theologians talk about about why you don't get those, because so many of the early leaders in the church were women, is that as Christianity became legal, became more formalized, then um, the men were no longer content to have the women in power. So that's when women are no longer allowed to be priests, no longer allowed to be in these leadership roles, and then the canon and some of those stories get tossed out with it. And we talked about that a little bit with the family value stuff, right? How mm -hmm. you could see going from Jesus to Paul to the Deutero-Pauline letters you see this sort of establishment take over more, and you see it become more sexist, frankly, more a more Hellenized church, right? Right. And in the same way, the argument can be made that women's ordination was allowed because the church was already losing power, not uh -huh. because it's a justice issue. So let's just go ahead and name that level of sexism, sexism that exists. But it is worth it to talk about the value of women refusing to not be given justice. And there's several stories of that in the Bible. And one of the more interesting and racy ones is the story of Tamar. Um, so this is an Old Testament story. Tamar has gotten married. Her husband's died. She married her husband's brother. He died. And she's supposed to get the next brother in line as her husband so that she can have a son and be supported. And the second husband died because he had sex with her, but tried to do something so he wouldn't impregnate her. Right. And so that made God angry and God killed him. Right. So and his just name... An interesting color. Right. His name was Onan, and yeah. that's where we get the term Onanism. Right. Which is a real thing that comes only if you talk about Roman Catholic right. um, sexual teachings. But anyway, so the father then, her father-in-law, is understandably hesitant to give his third son to her in marriage, even though he should. Mm -hmm. And so she has to trick him. And she goes to the gates of the city, pretends to be a prostitute, sleeps with her father-in-law, and asks for um, his signet ring and some other materials in exchange um, until he can bring her payment. And so essentially she's saying, give me your driver's license and credit cards and then you can pay me in cash later. Well, when he goes back to pay her, she's gone as the prostitute outside the gates and him being him decides, you know, well, she's got my stuff. Oh, well, I better keep my mouth shut because this isn't something that I want to um, be made public. And she's part of his household still, so it becomes clear that she is pregnant. And so the answer is, well, we should put her to death because clearly she um, slept with a man she shouldn't have, and now she's pregnant. 
And so she sends the signet ring and other items to her father-in-law and says, let him know that the man who these belong to is the, man, is the father of my child. And so he realizes, oh crap, it's me, and put, does the math and says, I should have done justice for her and there are no repercussions. And then those kids are then in the line of that. That's um, which? Which? That's a. a is it Judah? Judah or uh-huh, uh, Judah. Judah? Yeah. As in Judah, the line of David. Judah. Judah. Right. P.S. Yes. And it's Judah. It's the. It's the first guy. The name. The namesake of that tribe mm-hmm. is who is the father-in-law who takes care of this. So. Well. So anyway. So that's a. It, this so isn't the swept under the rug story. They are complicated. <laughs> they are complicated stories to find stories of persistent women mm-hmm. in the Bible. And that's a that is a good one. And she got justice for her kids. Yeah, because she was persistent mm-hmm. and she was willing to, um, you know, endure some uncomfortable things, I guess. And then and the woman at the the Canaanite woman we talk about too. Right. A little bit less intense story. Right, but you know, she en- endured Jesus being like straight up racist to her, mm-hmm. called her a dog. Right. And her answer was, the dogs get to lick the crumbs from their master's table, right? And Jesus is like, oh, you're right. I should do this. And changes what he was going to do in the same way jesus tells the parable of the persistent widow who goes to a judge and he doesn't give her what she wants and she pretty much just annoys him until she gets what is rightfully due her um so there you go i mean so there are stories in the bible of particularly of uh women persisting and demanding justice um unfortunately i do think you're right though we do have to own the fact that you know, the idea, I mean, it's in the Bible, too, if you rape a woman, it, you have to marry her. I don't know, what's the right What's the right, right verb to put on that, right? right? You know, she gets to marry you if you've raped her. I mean, it's some real awfulness that's like a part of that, a part of that Old Testament um, culture. So, um, but I do think it's, it's nice to know that we do have some examples of the persistence um, and justice. All right, so I think that'll wrap us up for now. Um, uh, until next time, uh, cheers. <laughs>